At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare i'm saleya mosin and i've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the united states In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. on a Monday night live from the Circus Sportsbook. And uh, look who came in. Scott Seidenberg, all the way from the East Coast, the pride of central New Jersey. What's up, Scott? <laughs> I feel good to be here. I'm excited. I'm anxious. <laughs> I got a lot of things on you the do. line. You do. You've got a lot of bets. You came in and you weren't uh, you weren't opposed to firing away, which I like. So uh, we are. Uh, we always like sweating out on the air. Yeah. Uh, you've got yourself uh, an over in the Milwaukee Miami game at 224. So far, looking good as we uh, sit there at a media timeout. 114 to 84, so we're at 198 with nine minutes to go. Feeling pretty good. Yeah, about 90% to cover right now. It, it would be a disaster, I would say, if it fails to cover. So I'm confident with the over 224 here. Right. Unless we start pulling some players from the game. And, 30, by the way, yeah. I mean, I think people just looking at this score, if you haven't been tuning in, it is a Beat down by the Bucks after what was a a really close, obviously an overtime game. Chris Middleton uh, buries the fadeaway. This was a total Scott that actually rose a little bit. Uh, so you saw some of the smarter money coming in on uh, the over. Is this thing open two twenty two and a half? Land uh, closed here at circa two twenty four. Uh, so yeah, you saw some money coming in on the over there uh, to push it up a little bit. And uh, right now it seems like that is uh, the right side to be on. So that's good. You got yourself a little baseball play. White Sox money line uh, as they're taking on the Cardinals right now. Uh, did I see Adam Wainwright just get a base hit? Um, <laughs> and then you and I together. 
Denver tonight in the bounce back spot. You're just going first half. Yes. I'm all in on Denver. Now, it was more of a I was I was at the Westgate Superbook yesterday watching some games and I looked up at the board and I went to go cash my son's first half ticket, which was man, that was I wish they were all that easy. Um and Denver was plus two ninety for the series. Now they lose to Portland in, uh, in what was an impressive performance on the road by the by the Trailblazers. But I, I just like that that number, almost three to one for Denver to to bounce back. Their favorite here tonight. Obviously, the desperation for the uh, for the Denver Nuggets. Michael Porter Jr. is not going to shoot one for ten from three again. So uh, you're on Denver first half minus what a point and a half minus one. Oh, okay, you got one. I got one and a half, and uh, I went full game money line. So we're in on the Denver Nuggets, and then also. You're on a little, uh, what, three-team uh, <laughs> hockey parlay. Yes, we're having some fun with the puck. Yeah. We're having some fun with it. I decided to go with two underdogs, but take the plus one and a half on the puck line. Okay. We took the Islanders plus a goal and a half. They're in overtime. It's a winner. That's a winner. We have Florida plus a goal and a half. Second intermission, 2-1 Panthers. I won't say that's a winner yet, but it's a good spot to be in. And the third one. We took a favorite, Vegas, minus a goal and a half tonight against Minnesota. The theory behind this, Vegas does not want to take this series back to Minnesota. You want to end it right now, tonight, on your home ice. And if they have a lead, which I expect them to, in the third period, because it's a do-or-die game for the Wild, the empty net will be open with well over three minutes to spare. So we will uh, we will get to that game as you see uh, on the screen just flashing some of the props for Wild and the Golden Knights tonight. That game uh, just down the road at T-Mobile Arena. So we'll get to that uh, big win over the weekend to take that 3-1 lead going into Minnesota and taking both games for the Vegas Golden Knights. But coming up in just a little bit, Blazers and Nuggets about to tip off. Scott, we've got uh, we've got Nuggets laying two after losing over the weekend to the Portland Trail Blazers, losing on Saturday night. Uh, two total of 224 here at Circa. Mr. Jokic over the weekend in the losing effort put down 34, had 13 rebounds. And one of the craziest statistics from the loss for the Nuggets was on his passes that would have led to assists, his teammates went one for 10. <laughs> So he only had one assist in the loss, uh, but you've got the over/under at seven and a half. Uh, you like? Uh, you think he's gonna have another big game tonight? Yeah, thirty-four he had in game one. Yep. I expect he'll be closer to forty in this one. We'll go over thirty and a half. Yeah, I you know I, I like Michael Porter Jr. to to have a bounce. Still had twenty-five points in the losing effort, but went one for ten from three. So I think a better performance from him. And uh, so we will keep an eye on that. Let's get this thing rolling, though. It is the nightcap here on Veasan. Monday night after a crazy weekend in the world of sports. I think everyone out here, once again, I started the show on Thursday, and uh, I I think the tape actually got deleted, but I I told everyone, 265 to 1, you know, go all in on Phil Mickelson. I told them all. Don't don't look at what he's done this year where he hasn't had a top 20 finish, and he's missed like six cuts, and hasn't won a major in seven years. I told everyone, Scott, and no one listened to me. I, I didn't listen to myself. Uh, Phil Mickelson, two sixty-five to one. That would have been a nice payday. I'm curious to find out what the sports books liability was on Phil because he's traditionally one of the most public 
betted golfers, mm-hmm. right? Like everyone loves lefty. And no matter what his odds are, people are still going to bet him to win because they love to root for Phil. And watching him throughout this weekend, it was vintage Phil, right? The flop shot out of the sand. No one's better in the game than him in those 50 in shots, 50 yards and in. And I'm curious what the exact liability was because you got to believe that the public was hammering Phil to win like they do every single major when the sportsbooks say, hey, we'll take your money because he's not going to win. Well, 50-year-old Phil just said, guess what? I won. Yeah, and we'll talk to the perfect person with the answer for that, which is Patrick Everson from Covers.com. He'll join us top of the next hour. But, you know, surprisingly, I think because he has not won in so long that there weren't many people firing away. You you saw a couple tweets out there, uh, but the Westgate Superbook uh, said that only 12 total people had Phil Mickelson pre-tournament. Not, you know, mm-hmm. once the tournament's going on, you're getting... But I think a lot of people, you know, especially after round one, maybe even round two, Scott, people were not firing away. They just assumed, okay, cool, this is great to see, but he's not going to be... A, this is not sustainable, and it certainly was. And, you know, look, I was on Sunday. I was cheering for Louis Oosthuizen. I had him 67-1. to one. Uh, That does not come home, obviously, as, as Phil uh, really does one of the more surprising things in... In all of sports, to pull this off, uh, two fifty to one in most spots, as you see right there. DK DraftKings had him as high as three hundred to one. Scott, Phil's PGA or Tiger's Masters? I think Phil's PGA. I would agree. Fifty years higher old. Higher odds too. Yeah, higher odds yeah. and and the familiarity that Tiger has at Augusta. You know, the PGA. Obviously, Phil had won it in two thousand five, but it wasn't at you know, Kiwa Island down there. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the course changes uh, with the winds whipping the way that they were. I, I think Phil's performance this week, sustaining it and really leading from, from start to finish, Scott, was so damn impressive. And at 50 years old, he hasn't, he hasn't, won, like, what, he hasn't won a major in seven years. Mm-hmm. So this was, this was so impressive. I would have cashed out on Sunday. I would have too. I'm, I'm being dead honest. It's not that I was going to root against Phil. It's not that I didn't think that he could do it. It's just history would have told you that he would have had a letdown there in the fourth round. I would have cashed out, and I would have been sitting there sick today looking at the chance to cash out on that massive payday and having cashed out on it. Uh, I would have cashed out. Congratulations, Phil. It is one of the most impressive wins that we have seen in golf. I likened it to the Tiger winning yeah. the Masters, but I think this one is more impressive. My, I mean, it's. I, I saw a tweet today, something, you know, uh, if we told you three years ago that both Phil and Tiger would win another major, nobody, nobody would have be- believed you. I mean, the odds for that would have been through the roof, and, and both of them were able to pull it off. And now uh, Phil will have, I think I saw him, Fifty to one at the U.S. Open. Now, now is it time to fade Phil? Mm, yeah, 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 it's fade time. Phil. Yeah, time to fade Phil. But a hell of a, a hell of a performance. By the way, another incredible performance happening right now at the Five Serve Forum in Milwaukee. One nineteen to eighty eight. The Milwaukee Bucks are putting a beating on the Miami Heat. And uh, Milwaukee, you know, they had an opportunity, Scott, to duck the Miami Heat. They could have. Mm. They could have laid down. They could have benched everybody in their second to last game when they played Miami. And they said, no, we'll just we'll play them straight up. We beat them, and now we're going to get them again. And I, we'll talk more about the odds because it, it was a – you don't usually see it in the NBA, Scott, where first-round series are unpredictable and leave you kind of wondering what, what's going to happen here with the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference. But there was a lot of – head-scratching things that unfolded, more so in the Western Conference. But, you know, looking at this Bucks performance, so many people 
Scott, have written this team off because, uh, you know, two years in a row. Yeah. Lost to Toronto, four straight. Mm. What'd they do down the bubble? Done. Done with them. They made an incredible move this offseason. They couldn't stand Pat. They went out. They got Drew Holiday, who's a massive upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. And they get P.J. Tucker, which I think was a, a very smart, uh, you know, not going to be a massive uh, box score type of guy. So they, if they are to get past the Heat, we know what's waiting for them in the Brooklyn Nets. But mm-hmm. I, I think too many people counted this Bucks team out early. They, they, we just wrote them off. They're still the Milwaukee Bucks, and they still have one of the top three players on the planet, right? right? And you look at the box score tonight, Giannis, 13 rebounds, Holiday, 15 assists so far in this game. Just an incredible number. What stood out to me watching this game was the performance in the second quarter. We've seen a lot of times in the NBA, especially uh, as of late and in the playoffs, teams will jump out to that first quarter lead, and then you expect that second quarter regression, right? The second unit will come in, and the other team will kind of battle back and see if they can get themselves back into the game, make the deficit a little lower going into the half. The Bucks played right with the Heat in that second quarter and maintained that lead going to the half. And at that point, it was insurmountable. You went into the half knowing that this game was over. Yeah, there's no doubt. And it was 46 to 20 after the first quarter. But to your point, they still won that second quarter, 32-31. Brent Forbes, by the way, uh, was tremendous tonight. He he has had 22 points, hit six threes. Remember, this was a Milwaukee team that had just five threes in their win on Saturday that came down to the Chris Middleton fadeaway in overtime. Tonight, they had 15 threes in the first half of 19 threes so far in this game, and they're up uh, by 31 right now uh, over the Miami Heat. We're going to get to uh, some series adjustments, but uh, I did receive word, uh, and I know this is something that you were um, going to talk about, and we will hit on Vegas Golden Knights as they will puck drop at the bottom of the hour, but uh, Max Pacioretty is not expected to play tonight. Okay, see, that's big, because obviously it's not going to affect my bet. Vegas is still, in my opinion, going to win this series. They're still going to win by more than two goals, or at least two goals, in my opinion. But when I was looking at the player props, and I'm looking at the performance of Mark Stone and a couple of guys on that line, without Pacioretty, they've been just different players. There's such a synchronicity between Stone and Pacioretty when they play together. I was really looking forward to seeing Patches get back on the ice tonight and then playing some sort of prop on the point total for Mark Stone because he's the playmaker, Patches is the goal scorer. When them two are together, that line scores points. Yeah, so Max Pacioretty is out for tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights. uh, And we'll have more on uh, VGK in the wild here coming up momentarily. Uh, Blazers and Nuggets should be tipping off here in just a little bit. And uh, just to revisit those props as we have the, uh, the Nuggets laying two against the Portland Trailblazers, who were, were very impressive in that first game, getting the victory uh, on the road against the Denver Nuggets. And this was a, a series that the price scared me off a little bit in that it, it just seemed a bit fishy. You've got the three seed in the Denver Nuggets. Yes, of course, without Jamal Murray. But they went off as a dog in the series against the Portland Trailblazers. I know JVT was interested in the Denver Nuggets. He played uh, Denver on a plus price. Uh, but Portland's uh, really impressive. And, you know, Scott, this is a Portland team that their backs were against the wall. They were in the situation. Are they going to be in the play-in game? Where are they going to end up? And they end up racking off 10 of 12 down the stretch. They get this sixth seed, which was so advantageous to avoid the play-in tournament, to get the Denver Nuggets, who are a bit banged up, as we know, without Jamal Murray. And they just continue to excel. And my biggest question about Portland 
is is the sustainability on defense. We know they're not a strong defensive team, but man, if you're going to get the performance like we saw from Dame Lillard, who we know is a gamer, 34 points, and C.J. McCollum is finally healthy. You know, we saw it down the stretch. He's healthy, and that backcourt is is just a pain to deal with. And when you don't have Jamal Murray out there, that's where uh, that's where you have to wonder. And you know, you know, for Denver, I've been saying it a long time. Just think about how important Jamal Murray was last year in that first round series. And now you don't have him. You you, you have the MVP in the league in Nikola Jokic. You have Michael Porter emerging. But do the Nuggets have enough in the tank? to win this series, and and how do you see tonight unfolding? Uh, Like I said, I think Denver jumps out to the early lead, which is why I like them in the first half. I like them in the first quarter. You mentioned C.J. McCollum and his health. Mm -hmm. It's the reason why I like McCollum's prop total over two and a half three-pointers tonight. He was three of seven in game one. He's going to play more minutes here in game two, which means more shot opportunities for him here in game two, and I expect him to shoot more from three-point range. He'll probably get double-digit attempts. So three of seven he was in game one. He'll probably get 10, 11 attempts here in game two. I also look at Carmelo Anthony, who shot four of eight from three-point range, and early on, he hit his first three shots, right? He was lights out to start the game. Some of those shots might go to McCollum. I don't expect Melo to have the same type of impact that he had in game one because he got hot early on. I don't expect that to carry over into game two. He'll still get his shots because he's Carmelo Anthony, but he's not going to have, you know, three straight threes in the first Sp- minute and a half like of the game. like a Knicks fan yeah. over here. <laughs> but I do expect McCollum to go over that two and a half, three point mark, uh, and I think that he's going to have a good game. It's going to be incumbent upon him and Lillard, though, to dominate this game for Portland if they want to have a repeat performance of game one. Yeah, and I like, uh, you know, you talked about Nikola Jokic going over 30 and a half. Uh, don't disagree at all. Um the size is just too much. There's no one on Portland that's going to be able to contain the size. And then you look at rebounds, too. He had 13 rebounds in Game 1. Also, you know, Nikola Jokic is a... I wouldn't say he's not a triple-double machine like Russell Westbrook by any stretch of the imagination, but he he can get some triple-doubles. And when you look at 7.5 assists, like I said, the stat that was so telling from Game 1, just one assist for Nikola Jokic, but he had nine other passes that would have led to assists mm-hmm. that were missed. And I mentioned Michael Porter Jr. going 1-for-10 from 3. I would look. I would almost look over everything for Nikola Jokic because there is no one like you hit on. There is no one on Portland that can slow Jokic down. So I, I think this is a game where we see a, a big performance from the MVP of the league in Nikola Jokic. He's three to one at DraftKings to to pick up a triple double. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a triple double tonight from Nikola Jokic. I can see it. I mean, how many blocks did he have? I don't think he had any blocks, but you, you might get a situation where you could kind of backdoor a triple double there. If he gets uh, Plus, it's not be something. Happen. But, you know, something. There's, got, there's, there's a, a way that he can get to it. Uh, the rebounds are obviously going to be there. 16 in I game one. I mean, I said 13. He had 13 defense. Yeah. He had 16, 16 total. 16 total. I'm just really in love with the point prop here. It's all, yeah. it's all I can think about because I was really surprised that it was as low as it was when I saw the board. I was expecting to be 32, 32 and a half. And that was a number that I was going to toy around with and, you know, eh, see what you want to do with that. But I think he gets between 35 and 40 tonight. He really is going to go off. I mentioned the size. No one can compete with him. He had the 34 points in game one. He was 14 of 27 from the field. Right. Not exactly lights out shooting. He shoots a little better, gets to the free throw line a couple more times. He only shot four of the free throws in game one. Gets to the free throw line a couple more times, tack on a couple of those extra points, and we can see him easily go over 30 and a half. Well, I'll, I just want to update uh, you on your bet. 
uh, as we stare down. You got it at 224. We're at 222 right now with three minutes to go. Milwaukee thumping Miami 125 to 97 looking to take a 2-0 series lead and so what you're saying is if the over doesn't hit I walk out right now yeah you can <laughs> I will uh I I will do the show by myself there is there is two minutes and 33 seconds left you got free throws right now I you will you I allow you to walk out the studio and take the rest of the night off Very well. if this does it, not come it, home. it would be as the first yeah. free throw is hit by the way we're still waiting trailblazers and nuggets here coming up in just a little bit so we saw a big adjustment in series prices and like I was mentioning Scott normally we don't see weekends like we got in the NBA playoffs especially in the first round the Utah Jazz lose to the Memphis Grizzlies. The Suns beat the Lakers. The Lakers were a series favorite. Mm-hmm. The Trailblazers beat the Nuggets. Now, the Trailblazers actually were a slight series favorite in that one. Pretty much a pick series. And then the Mavericks beat the Clippers. So, from what we saw this weekend and series price adjustments, did anything jump out at you? Um, and I, I didn't even mention the Eastern Conference. I know you're a big Knicks guy. Yeah. You were tweeting about it over the weekend. It was an incredible game. Trey Young hits the big bucket late. So, what from this weekend either you saw a little bit of value in, maybe change your opinion, uh, because I got a couple uh, of, of series that I fired on, and we talked about one on Friday that just kind of played perfectly like we were expecting, but what jumped out to, to you this weekend from, from what we saw? Knicks now at plus 220 yeah. to win this series. This was a pick series. Mm-hmm. The Knicks, in some aspects, were a slight dog. Yeah. I got it at even money. Uh, you could have found some books that actually had Knicks as maybe a slight favorite. Yeah, there was both. a couple in town that had them plus 115. Yeah, okay. I think Circa, too, had plus 115. Just because they lost game one, it now skyrockets to plus mm-hmm. 220. I don't think that's fair. Because the whole time, you're just asking them to get a split in Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. So if they win game two at Madison Square Garden, which they should. They're favored in that game. And you look at the performance in game one, that was a very winnable game. Julius Randle's not going to shoot as poorly from the field as he did in game one. I mean, they were relying was, on Alec Burks to win them that game. Awful. He was awful. He, he was did awful. hit a big three, though, late in the fourth quarter, but he's still, the first three quarters were nothing to you know, you want to forget already. He's not going to have that bad of a performance. You could argue that he's right up there with Trey Young as the best player on the floor. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd give it to Trey Young, obviously. Yeah, but Julius Randle this season, I mean, Julius Randle's going to be he's gonna what, get MVP 13, votes. third team, second team all NBA. He's going to get MVP votes, yeah, too. Yeah, he will. And deservingly so. It's like a Heisman finalist where you want to invite him to New York just to get the presentation. You know you're not going to win. Everyone knows it's going to Jokic, yeah, but I want a couple votes. It's an honor just to be invited to the ceremony. Yeah. Come to the All-Athletic Club and you get to sit in a nice suit. So he'll get some MVP votes. He's not going to be as poor as he was in Game 1. I expect the Knicks to come out and win Game 2, so it's going to be an even series going to Atlanta. If the Knicks get the split in Atlanta, home court comes back into play. Plus 220 right now you can get on the Knicks. That's value. And that's where I'm at with the Denver Nuggets, who we both expect to take care of business tonight. Even series and a team that doesn't play great defense, so a plus 290. That's why I went on the Nuggets. We'll hit on the Lakers a little bit later on, uh, but we got, we got, is Scott Seidenberg going to walk out of the studio in his first ever appearance on the nightcap? We'll discuss that next. It is Visa. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. of relief for me. I will not be hosting the show solo. Scott Seidenberg is able to cash his ticket over 132 to 98. Your final score, the Milwaukee Bucks thump the Miami Heat, man. Woo! And that is a beatdown over hits of 224. And uh, if you were wondering, yes, they did cover the four with relative (laughs) ease. Uh, A 34-point win for the Milwaukee Bucks. And it was, you know, it was funny uh, as you know, Scott, and, and certainly something that I talk about quite a bit, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And so many people, right, when this series price came out, it was Milwaukee, like, minus 310, mm-hmm. you know, and wait, Miami beat them last year. How, yeah. how is this possible? 
Mm. If it's too good to be true, sometimes it is. If the series isn't over, got to go to Miami. But this was a statement put on tonight by the Milwaukee Bucks. 22 threes. Giannis, 31, 13, and 6. Only had to play 31 minutes. Chris Middleton, 17 points. He only played 24 minutes. You mentioned Drew Holiday. 15 assists. An incredible effort. And then the bench really showed up for Milwaukee. Got 11 from Bobby Portis. My man, Planet Pat Connaughton, had 15. And then Bryn Forbes hit six threes as uh, as the Milwaukee Bucks breeze to a 34-point win. And Scott Seidenberg cashes one of his many tickets tonight. That's why we're here. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's the thing that you always say and you put it on Twitter all the time? Embrace the stink. Embrace the stink. Embrace the stink, right? Yeah. There was a stink with this line tonight. Oh, yeah. There was a stink with this series line. There was a stink with this game line tonight. The Bucks were not comfortable with the way that game one played out. And in a situation like that, you can go one of two ways. They can completely fold. Right, mm-hmm. and you can bank Miami. And if you liked Miami tonight, forget about the points. You would have taken the money line, right? Because yep. they, if they covered, they were going to win. But if they weren't going to win, they weren't going to cover. And the way that you should have bet this game was obviously hindsight twenty twenty. But the Bucks were the embrace the stink yeah. because the line was low enough that you would expect them to bounce back from the Game 1 performance, especially at home, and dominate in the fashion that they did. Just barely won, went on a Chris Middleton fadeaway, and yet they're laying five, and they go out and thump, and absolutely thump uh, the Miami Heat. Uh, You mentioned first quarter was an intriguing play for you very early, but what a start we've seen from the Denver Nuggets. They are fired up, both you and I, on the first half. I'm on full game as well, and Denver, as Portland calls a timeout, up 17-7. to So they have come out, backs against the wall. I know it was just one game, but you can't go down 0-2, losing both games on your home floor. Uh, Austin Rivers already hit a couple of threes. Nikola Jokic with two assists and three rebounds already and four points. Uh, So there we stand, 7.40 to go, first quarter, and the Nuggets up by 10. And McCollum already one for one from deep. So over two and a half, we just need two more threes for the rest of the game for C.J. McCollum, and we'll walk away happy there. Jokic with four points. So we still need, you know, some help there, but but it's a, still very, very facilitating. Early. We talked about the seven and a half assists. So so far, good to see. Uh, let's get to the game that's going to start at the bottom of the hour. Can the Vegas Golden Knights put away the Minnesota Wild? Uh, and uh, we have some uh, props, first time goal, anytime goal. Uh, one thing to uh, to keep in mind: Max Pacioretty is not playing. He is out for tonight. So you mentioned that this changes the way you look at not the game necessarily but you look at these props and for Mark Stone this is not ideal yeah and and he hasn't been the same player without Pacioretty and a lot of these Vegas Golden Knights have not been the same player uh, without a guy like Patches on the ice Uh, I was expecting a boost from the team with him returning you're not gonna get that tonight but it doesn't matter. This is a team that relies on their defense, that relies on their goaltending, that is going to play this game with the mindset of, we don't want to take this series to Minnesota. Because if they do, it gets real scary. Because Minnesota is good enough that they can win the game, and then all of a sudden, now you're in jeopardy. Just You have to close out a team and, oh, when you by have the a way, chance Scott, to close them out. Guess what happened yesterday? Colorado took care of business. Absolutely. They're done. So, And we saw an early series price be put out there. Uh, I believe it was at the Westgate, plus 160, uh, or sorry, minus 160 for the Abs, plus 140 for the for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, take care of business tonight because you got a big bad boy waiting in the next Not round. Not to mention, if you're going to go with Flurry in game one against Colorado, get him some days off. 
Yeah. So you want to win this series tonight, get them some rest before game one. So you had the props there for first time at any time. Vegas minus 172 on the money line here. And this guy is trying to bring home a three-leg parlay. First leg already home with Islanders and Pittsburgh, who's headed to double overtime. Yeah. Tied at two. You've got Florida plus one and a half, who leads 3-1 with seven minutes to go. Feeling all right there. Yep. But you've got Vegas on the puck line. You need that empty netter. BGK. Calling for that empty netter, so we will keep an eye on that. The Lakers, yes, they lost. Another game one loss, but now is, is it time to buy the Lakers? It is the nightcap here on VEASAN. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 
NHL and NBA playoffs are here, folks, and our experts are covering every angle to find betting edges. VEASAN hockey expert Andy McNeil is tracking all the NHL action on our senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel has all of your hoops insights. Our experts and the entire team here at VEASAN give you all the tools to make the most of every bet on the playoffs, including odds and analysis for every game on VEASAN.com and our daily members-only best bet emails. Now's the time to cash in on the playoffs. Sign up for your 10-day free trial at VEASAN.com backslash subscribe. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN. Scott Seidenberg at Scott's On Air at 1 Tim Murray's where you can find me and 21 to 12, an early lead for the Denver Nuggets. Dame time just hit a three there for the Portland Trailblazers. And how about this? Double overtime the New York Islanders, who yes, the winner. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> that what they do? Is that, I have no yeah, idea. That's their you, celebration. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> Islanders just beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in overtime, double overtime. Uh, so the Islanders now lead that series three games to two. Uh, so I always, I always cheer for the Islanders. They don't want to close out the barn. They, they want uh-huh. to keep playing at the barn. Next year they move into the Belmont Arena. So uh, I believe next year will be ready. So this is the end of. Uh, of the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum for them. Ah, so yes. they're going to return home with a series lead, look to close it out, and they want to keep these playoffs going. They want to keep playing on home ice. As my mom always tells me, she was the first graduating class there at the Nassau Coliseum. Shout out, Mom. Good job. Uh, under hits, Islanders and Pittsburgh, five and a half, juiced heavily to the under at minus $1.40 here at Circa, and it comes home, three to two the winner. Uh, and if you had the New York Islanders, yeah, nice little plus money, uh, plus 128 here at Circa. So the Islanders win in double overtime, and the Florida Panthers about to uh, beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, I, I took a shot on the Panthers plus money on the price, uh, on the series price. And when they were down 3 1? No, no. Oh, okay. uh, early on. So I, I kind of just wrote this up as a loser. But the Panthers staving off elimination here tonight with a minute to go. They lead 3 to 1 over the Lightning and uh, the Winnipeg Jets, who were. I know I saw Mitch and Paul this morning. <laughs> Not too happy with the performance from the Edmonton Oilers uh, over the weekend, and the Winnipeg Jets lead 2-1 to one after one period uh, against the Oilers there. The Panthers series is one that I stayed away from just because of the proximity between the two teams. You know, There wasn't going to be much travel. There was going to be a lot of fans at both uh, arenas, so I didn't want to do I didn't want any part of this series, to be honest with you. But up 3-1, uh, I did think that Tampa had a good chance to close it out, but I expected it to be a close game, which is why I took the plus 1.5 on the goal line rather than taking the Panthers on the money line. I wasn't as confident in them winning as I was in them keeping it a close game, but congratulations, they're going to stave off elimination and uh, keep this series alive. And then as far as Edmonton, that is a heartbreaker because they had that game, and they were right back in this series. You're up 4-1 in the third period. That's not a game that you're supposed to lose. And they gave up two goals in a matter of seconds, which is always a backbreaker. And once they went into overtime, I don't know how they were going to pick themselves off, up, up off the deck to win that game. They lose, and then tonight you're expecting them to just lay over, and right now they're down 2-1. And uh, we are on a bit of bad beat watch. Unlikely, but... Panthers did just score another empty netter. It's 4-1. Total was 6. 
So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. That would be a pretty brutal push if you end up, if you had the under in that game, Lightning and Panthers. But like we mentioned, Vegas and Minnesota about to puck drop uh, here momentarily. But I want to get back to hoops. Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus is going to join us uh, in just a matter of moments. We're going to talk about the Julio news today as uh, I think everybody in the world saw uh, his phone call today with uh, with Mr. Sharp there on FS1. So we'll talk more about that and, and where's a likely landing spot. But... Over the weekend, yesterday, the Lakers lost Game 1 to the Phoenix Suns. Now, you've, you, you can't get a plus money anymore, Scott, but I was able to grab it even money, plus 100, for the Lakers to win this series. We saw it last year in the bubble. Game 1, Lakers lost to the Portland Trailblazers. Game 1, lost to the Houston Rockets. Obviously, they went on to win those series. Now, it's not apples to apples here. Phoenix Suns are having an incredible season, and... The Western Conference is just such a, a difficult thing for me to try to figure out. And I think all of us have been in the same boat for the past couple of months. Do you believe that the Lakers can flip that switch with all of these injuries? AD looked awful yesterday, and he, and he owned it. He, yeah. said, he said, I was terrible. Mm-hmm. It won't happen again. The Clippers, I, I just can't believe in the Clippers outside of Kawhi Leonard. Paul George is horrendous in the postseason, and they you know, open up with a, a, a loss to the Mavericks. So it, it's tough for me to believe in them, even though they've got tons of talent. Then you look at Phoenix. I, I like Phoenix, but do they have enough bigs? DeAndre Ayton, I was so impressed, Scott, by mm-hmm. how he played yesterday. So when you look at the Western Conference right now, I feel like our minds are going to change on a daily basis. Who we believe will ultimately come out of the Western Conference. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I really don't. If you made me pick, I I guess I would say the Lakers, but subject to change to tomorrow. Can I say the winner of the Lakers Sun series? Sure. Because I really do think the winner of this series will represent the Western Conference. And I think for the Suns, look, they want to take care of business, obviously, first and foremost, but uh, you look at Portland and, and, and Utah, if it's Portland, I think they have a massive advantage there because what's the strength of Portland? It's the backcourt. What's the strength of Phoenix? Their backcourt. Mm-hmm. I think they match up well against Portland. Joker could give them a lot of trouble, but if Phoenix gets through this series against Los Angeles, I agree. I think they, in my opinion, become the favorites to get out of the West. What's amazing is you mentioned the performance of Anthony Davis. He was supposed to be the X factor as to why the Lakers would win this series. Mm -hmm. Because you were going to say that he would manhandle DeAndre Ayton and no one else inside would be able to handle him. Plus his range from deep would be a beneficial factor for the Lakers offense. They don't have to always go inside to him. He's an option, obviously, to shoot from three-point range. But he was awful. You said it. He admitted he was awful. We expect him to bounce back, much like I said with the Knicks and Julius Randle, I expect a bounce-back performance from Anthony Davis. For me, looking at game two, I need to know what Chris Paul's status is. I need to know how healthy he is or how hindered he is with the injury. I'm sorry. What you, Damian Lillard just hit a three oh. from half court. <laughs> Not at the end of the quarter. He just pulled up from a step over half court and just drained it. I that dude is his range is ridiculous. Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Sometimes yeah. things like that happen, and you just have to laugh. Well, what I was going to say is, that, is Chris Paul not at one hundred percent? Obviously, changes the handicap on this entire thing because 100%. he needs to be he needs to be Chris Paul in order for them to come through and win Game Two and really have a stranglehold here on the series. So if we find out that he is, you know, hindered a little bit, you got to go with the Lakers and, and and expect them to really come back in the series. Well, and for AD, it wasn't that long ago, folks, that. Without LeBron facing the Phoenix Suns, he had 42 and 12. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, he finishes with 13. And I was watching this game, 
and talking to uh, to a, a buddy, and I said, is Kyle Kuzma even playing tonight? <laughs> 19 minutes, no points. I don't know what his role is right now, but clearly they need more from him. Where's Julio Jones going to be, and what does that do to maybe Kyle Pitts' Offensive Rookie of the Year odds? We'll talk to Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus next right here on the Nightcap. into the indeed.com studios resumes are good resumes with an indeed skills test are better visit indeed.com slash credit it is the nightcap here on vsin if you haven't done so download the vsin app or the iheart app that's where you can hear us for free it's a good price scott seidenberg at scott's on air at one tim murray's where you can find me at pff underscore eric is where you can find our next guest by the way 31 23 nuggets leading the portland trailblazers just 14 points for the Joker so far, Scott. I would say that's a, a good start. Pace. That's We're a good pace. start for uh, over 30 and a half. Uh, but we bring in Eric Eager, who is a frequent guest of the program, and we always appreciate him staying up late with us. And Eric, uh, I know there's it's a running bit. It's the PFF Falcons. You guys love Atlanta. I'm on board, too. I hadn't fired yet on their season win total. When you handicapped the Falcons prior to this season, looking at seven or seven and a half wins, what did you think of the future of Julio Jones and and what does the news today basically saying he's done from Atlanta? Uh, what does that do to your thoughts on what Atlanta can be this year? Well, I always thought, you know, there was an opportunity there because he didn't redo his contract. You look at the Matt Ryan situation, they had to redo his in order to sort of make it work and not have to cut somebody like Deion Jones from the roster so there was always that possibility because what they can do post-June, actually it's like June 2nd, they can trade him and prorate some of that dead money to next season. You know, they're, they're really, I mean, Thomas Dimitrov, you know, took a team to the Super Bowl and everything like that, but he really did leave in many ways some uh, salary cap issues for this team. And there was never going to be sort of like a behind door number one, there's good outcomes, and behind door number two, there's bad Behind each door, there was kind of crappy outcomes, and this could have been one of them. But I will say, I mean, we have you know Julio Jones last season was worth about .4 wins. The year before, he's about .8 wins. So you sort of take the average of that. It's about half a, you know, you know, depending upon how you deal with aging and all that kind of stuff, you know, roughly half a win. Um, we had them with Jones in the lineup as a nine-win team. We're we're really low on Carolina, really low on New Orleans with Jameis Winston. So even with Julio Jones pricing him in gone, you still have a little bit of a cushion there with that number opening at seven, now being seven and a half in the price. You know, it's gone up that full half a win since it was seven minus 140, and now it's seven and a half, at least earlier today, minus 140 as well. So I'm still, you know, bullish on Atlanta. This is obviously a bump in the road, but, um, we'll, we'll see what happens in a, you know, a couple weeks or so while he's still on the roster. Eric, everyone obviously wants to know the impact of losing Julio. What would it have on the rest of that offense? Certainly Matt Ryan, what it would it have on Calvin Ridley, and then Kyle Pitts, the rookie, who is a sexy bet, an attractive bet for Offensive Rookie of the Year. 
How do you guys value Julio Jones' red zone efficiency at this advanced stage in his career, health-wise, age-wise, performance-wise over the past couple of seasons? Is he still an elite-level red zone target for Matt Ryan? I, that's one of the craziest things about him is he was never that elite of a red zone guy, right? Like he, I think in 2017 he had a great season but only had three touchdowns. Um, I can't remember exactly how many he had a season ago. He's always been a guy that's put up amazing numbers between the 20s and somehow, for whatever reason, uh, you know, starting with that drop he had against the Eagles in the divisional playoffs in 2017, he's never really been a touchdown maker. We going into this season even, I mean, when you look at projecting Atlanta, we actually have, you know, uh, Calvin Ridley, 86 catches, 1,344 yards, eight touchdowns is our projection. We only have Julio with about 85 catches, uh, 1,239 yards, six touchdowns. So that's obviously a lot leaving there. But you look, you know, Kyle Pitts, Hayden Hurst, two first-round tight ends uh, that step in, that are still there. You also, obviously, Ridley's an emerging player, was their best receiver last season. Um, and, you know, Arthur Smith, who I think this is, that is my main reason for this bet, which is Arthur Smith took Ryan Tannehill from Marcus Mariota's backup. That's how far his career had fallen to a Pro Bowl and an all-pro caliber player in Tennessee um, with one wide receiver. I mean, he turned Corey Davis in from a bust into a workable player uh, alongside uh, A.J. Brown last season. So that's really where I see it. Obviously, if they lose Jones, it's not great. You'd love to have Jones next to Ridley. But I see this offense as a Kyle Pitts offense, uh, Calvin Ridley offense, and whoever, whether it's Olamide Zacchaeus or somebody like that, coming in underneath Ridley, uh, you know, being a serviceable option, especially in a division where Carolina's defense isn't very good and you have to expect regression from Tampa Bay and New Orleans defenses. Chat once again with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. You can follow Eric on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. And, you know, to, to double down on Kyle Pitts, I, I haven't pulled the trigger. Uh, I only have one offensive rookie of the year play, and it was actually uh, thanks to you. Uh, I took Trey Sermon at 100-1. to 1, Just uh, I thought that at that price you had to just fire away and, and see what happens. But uh, you can find Kyle Pitts at 14-1 to 1, uh, to win rookie of the year. Um, you know, he was an elite red zone target, as, as Scott was alluding to. You know, 12 touchdowns last year at Florida. We haven't had a wide receiver win this award since 2014 when Odell Beckham did it. Uh, only one tight end ever won the award. That was Mike Ditka. But I don't really consider Kyle Pitts a, a tight end necessarily. I think you look at him more as a wide receiver. But at 14-1, to 1, at what point would you look at a buy spot for Kyle Pitts and, and, uh, for rookie of the year? Well, I think if you like him, it's only going to get short. You know, you're only going to get shorter than that, right? So you might as well take it. I, I don't, I don't hate that at all. I think you know you have history working against it, where you know top, you know top drafted tight ends, even if they do end up working out, oftentimes it's for their next team, like Eric Ebron, mm-hmm. uh, you know Jared Cook, all you know um, Vernon Davis was four years into his career before he was any good, um, but at the same time. I, like I said, I think Atlanta's got a lot of advantages here, one of which is Arthur Smith, who, you know, just got John U. Smith a big deal with New England, um, despite, you know, his shortcomings over the beginning of his career. So I think 14-1 to 1 is certainly something you can you can go with. You're not getting nearly as good a value as Trey Sermon at 100-1. to 1. That's a, probably the best bet I've heard of this offseason, I would say. Um, but, but at 14-1, to 1, it's only going – I mean, you're probably seeing this close at 10-1 to 1 or less. 
So if you like him, you might as well take him right now, especially if you think Julio is going to be traded, which appears to be the favorite right now. Well, you mentioned something that is obviously with regards to Kyle Pitts' chances is Arthur Smith, and you mentioned Johnny Smith. He was second on the team in touchdowns in Tennessee, right, Eric? So that, that you're talking about an offensive system that is very heavily geared to guys outside of the wide receiver position. Obviously, they relied on Derrick Henry a lot, but yeah, the tight ends uh, were pretty good for Tennessee. Yeah, and Anthony Ferkser made some plays over the middle of the field. Um, you know, that's why I think Hayden Hurst is not going to be a lost cause here, even though they didn't free up his deal. We have him projected for 37 catches and three touchdowns, so that's that's not trivial at all. You know, Russell Gage is also a guy who's made plays. Cordero Patterson's a guy who, you know, has tantalized people forever since being a first-round pick out, you know, out of Tennessee in 2013. He goes to that offense, too. So, you know, th- this is going to be a team where – there's not going to be a like all of these teams that have drafted tight end high. Vernon Davis, who was the wide receiver when Vernon Davis was it like Arnez Battle or something like that? Was <laughs> in you know San Fran when he was the first round pick? You know T.J. Hawkinson might have had a, a cushy situation, but Kenny Galladay got hurt almost the whole time he, early on for him, and he's actually been pretty good. A lot of these guys that are drafted in the top ten is because the offense needs a a, a horse to to ride. That's not really the case. Atlanta was a weird 4-12 and team with a much better offense than that record gave rise to, and they, are, as a result, are a unique situation for him to come into. Uh, couple that, again, with, with Smith, who I think, uh, again, it, you know, one of the things that, that, that's a good test case is how Tennessee does this year because I even think Mike Brabel held him back a little bit. But the other thing is, obviously, they're not going to be wasting you know, early down rushes on running backs because they don't have one as good as Derrick Henry either. So this, this is going to be a fun offense for fantasy football, for props. I don't think you can pay me to bet an under on any of these guys this year. <laughs> um, so so I'm, I'm excited for Atlanta. Their defense might hold them back, but again, that's only going to play into, uh, you know, what I think is going to be an exciting year for the offensive guys. I'm just, I'm just excited that Eric dropped a Notre Dame great Arnez battle. I looked at you when he said that. Man, man, I was all fired up. Number three, man, who switched to running, uh, switched to wide receiver. Carlisle Holiday touchdown to him against Florida State. All right, we got about a minute and a half, Eric. Um, where do you think what, – what makes the most sense for Julio? You know, cap space. I was trying to do a little cap space uh, jujitsu earlier today. I, I couldn't figure it out. Cleveland looked interesting to me. Uh, where do you think Julio ultimately lands? Well, I think a lot of people think Tennessee, that one makes a lot of sense. I'm a fade on Tennessee unless they acquire him. They feel a lot like the Minnesota Vikings last year. Um, but if they add Julio, I think all bets are off a little bit for them uh, in a bad division with bad defenses everywhere. Um, but the one that makes the most sense to me is the Los Angeles Chargers, another team where I'm a fade on them unless they get a number two receiver last year. Mike Williams came up very small for them. Keenan Allen was really good. Uh, but, you know, in Herbert year two, they're going to need, I think, an infusion of talent to get over the fact that he's on offensive coordinator number two. Uh, and, you know, regression is probably going to hit Herbert, even though he was fantastic as a rookie. He is Eric Eager, does fine work, and uh, always appreciate him staying up late with us. Eric, you're the man. Appreciate it. You guys are the best. Take care. There he is, Eric Eager, at PFF underscore Eric on Twitter. Man, the Chargers... That would be interesting. Would you take a flyer on the Niners because of the Kyle Shanahan relationship? For him going to San Francisco? Yeah. I do. The only worry... Now, 
what kind of draft capital do they want to give up because they don't have first-round picks the next two years? But everyone always says they want a first-round pick in return. Oh, they're not getting a first-round yeah. pick for Julio Jones. <laughs> they're not but, getting it. But could they get a second? Are they going to get a second-round pick? And if you're the 49ers, do you give up that second-round pick? At some point, you look at what the Rams are doing. They're going all-in. Mm-hmm. 49ers might be, why not go in all-in? They did for their quarterback. That's Scott Seidenberg. Patrick Everson going to recap the weekend that was Phil Mickelson coming home at 250-1. to one. Oh, yeah, we got some bets going on. Nuggets and Trailblazers to get you update on everything. Top of the hour right here on the Nightcap. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.